Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. coyotes howl yeah actually yeah i went camping this past weekend with allison um nice we ended up doing hammock camping okay uh, interesting yeah yeah so you're off the ground at least but definitely through the night you know i was waking up it wasn't as bad as the last time we went camping where i was getting eaten alive by mosquitoes and i could <laughs> right, only sleep right. for 30 minutes at a time this um, time i could sleep for three hours at a time oh okay an improvement yeah i was waking up i, I you know uh i went to sleep yeah 9 12 3 a.m 6 a.m that worked out pretty well for me i'd say <laughs> um for sure that's about as good as I can ask for. I wish I was better at sleeping during camping. God same. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, we got to really enjoy being out a little more remote in Florida. You do see a lot of Trump banners. Okay. Yeah, which is uh, hard to take in. Um, but I think you get to see the really fantastic aspect of the open road on Florida, which I think is the billboards. Oh, man, do tell. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> like, OK, Florida is great because sure, you've got the Jesus billboards that you get in a lot of, you know, southern U.S. towns and stuff and kind of that sort of stuff. You get lots of great vintage signs like advertising fruit and oranges and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's all intercut with these lawyer billboards that huh. are so fascinating to me because, you know, I've remarked before that for some reason, conservatives seem to be unable to grasp graphic design. <laughs> right. Yeah. Why do lawyers and th- these are all famous, like pretty much celebrity lawyers all their money all their notoriety why can't they seem to get a graphic designer because every lawyer seems to think the best advertisement for their law firm is their face yeah red background oh a red background interesting and it's always smiling or it will be like injured smiley face (laughs) two thumbs up we can fix that is it yellow text i need to know a lot of time, there's lots of yellow and white text. Oh, yep, always, always. I don't yeah. know what's up with that. I feel like it's always out of those, like, it feels like I'm watching Adult Swim. You know what I mean? That's the thing. It's like, I feel like there's so many things that you, uh, parody just barely exaggerates with yeah. those ads, and it feels like Tim and Eric or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think you should leave or one of those types of things. Nathan for you. It's like, it's not that far removed. And there's just something inherently 
ridiculous about it that every time <laughs> I pass a Morgan and Morgan billboard, I just burst out laughing because I think they're so unintentionally hilarious. But maybe sure. they are meant to be funny. Like there are a lot of Morgan and Morgan and Morgan. Uh, I think that's how many Morgans you're supposed to say billboards around uh, Florida. Um, and a lot of them show them as superheroes. Okay. Like just their faces kind of crudely photoshopped on made up superhero bodies. Right. Like generic Aquaman. And well, you know what? I am glad that they're having fun because they clearly are. For sure. I'm yeah. wondering, I mean, well. is that the best advertisement for your law firm? Well, they're going to save the day. <laughs> you know what? You're right. <laughs> Morgan and Morgan for the people. What's more? What? What's Morgan man? Because I mean, that is totally like would be his superhero catchphrase. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. John Morgan of Morgan and Morgan and Morgan. His catchphrase would be Morgan and Morgan for the people. Right. That that would be his He-Man power up. hundred percent thing. I guess, would he be called Morgan Man? Oh, that's fun. Mega yeah. Morgan. Mega Morgan. Mega Morphin Morgans. <laughs> There's options here. There's option. Morgan the Third, Return of Morgan. That would be the third <laughs> movie in the franchise. There's a lot to play. I feel like they could really yeah. expand this. Well, I mean, but you do, it is just a part of the landscape, you know? Mm -hmm. the um, Allison was talking about like, you know how there's that guy on TikTok that reviews sinks in New York? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we were spitballing the idea of there's all of these like little like hole in the wall fish shack type places serving seafood on the side of the road everywhere you go. And we're just like, what if we just like went around and reviewed some of these? You know, mm -hmm. I like we passed through a place called Lorida. Lorida, Florida. Hmm. The, ta okay. the town of Lorida in the state of Florida. Right. And we're passing through and we're seeing these names like the Water Rat and the Gator Shack. And I'm like, hmm. I kind of want to say I ate at the Water Rat. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like I don't know. I something about <laughs> spending the night listening to coyotes howl pretty close. Like you could hear them. Like they they were very close to our campsite wherever they were. Sure. And just and like hear them rustling around and stuff. Something about that. Once you're driving back, you're just filthy from a night of camping. You smell like uh firewood and uh, everything else your lungs hurt because you were blowing on the fire trying to keep it going right uh, and you accidentally breathed in some ash oh, no. uh and just i was like i needed the water rat <laughs> i mean i mean i'd do it why not yeah yeah i i get it yeah i feel i, I mean that it, makes sense. and then and then yeah you know it's just fun you know you see the less pc named ones oh i remember growing up i um uh, we were driving down to the Keys, and we pla we passed a place called the Jewfish Cafe. Uh, oh, you're serious? Oh, yeah. Huh. I mean, are you familiar with what a Jewfish is? No. 
So nowadays you call them Goliath grouper. Is a oh okay. It is a really really big type of grouper. Yeah, they they big like, boys. Big big boy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's just but... this enormous enormous fish. Like I saw one once scuba diving, and it is just. It is it is unbelievable to to sign, kind of see a monster like that. Yeah, you know, and it's just chilling and going blub blub. <laughs> um, the interesting thing though is like I'm not entirely sure on the what the name had anything to do with it because uh. they were called Jewfish, and then they get called a Goliath grouper. But riddle me this, Joe: Goliath was a Philistine, not a Jew. Hmm. Huh. So, you, no, you, so now you so yeah. now you're the one without an answer. Yeah, now I'm stumped. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, what what <laughs> are there are there good billboards or are, are there that many billboards up in New Jersey? Oh, plenty. Um I used to pass a few on my way to school. Uh one that was my favorite was and I took a few photos of it cuz it's hilarious. It was just a big mouth. Like mm. show big mouth. No, but it was <laughs> it was like a dentist ad with like cursive font. Maybe it had got teeth on it. Who knows? And it was just this someone like a close got up. Teeth. <laughs> I really hope that's what it said. I don't remember. It was years ago. But like No, we're birds. <laughs> but like imagine like you're looking at just a close, close up of like a woman like the stereotypical like white woman smiling with red lipstick and like shiny pearly whites mm -hmm. and like that's what it was and it was in the middle of like the forest which i always thought was yeah. weird a lot of like rehab ones some of them not great like mm. not the right message it felt like always like blaming said people um which Aww. was a bit uncomfortable yeah. uh but then the real fun is when you get into like lancaster PA mm -hmm. or you're you just leave Philadelphia and you're like in like back country um which like if <laughs> you ever Amish billboards look like it's scary if you've ever um <laughs> if you've ever seen an Andrew Wyeth painting that is like essentially what rural Pennsylvania looks like but oh yeah I mean he's he's painting there one but yeah like, he nails the atmosphere uh mm -hmm. anyway but like it's a lot of God's gonna smite you uh praise Jesus uh, welcome to, oh, what do they call um, Amish land? It's something, and and, and it it's not. Fuck, what's welcome that to Amish land. No, That's... it's not. It's not that. It's um. <laughs> I mean, all ah, of this. Gonna, these these all sound like me. really great Johnny Cash lyrics. And they that is true. They do. Well, no, it's like it's like um. Like Dutch Wonderland, if you've ever heard of that. Dutch that's, Wonderland. That's, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what you get a lot of billboards. You get a lot of things like that where it's like, you know, come experience the Amish culture because they do like the tourism thing to like, you know, get passerbys to come like take a carriage ride mm -hmm. or like ride around on scooters and stuff. It's But it's mm -hmm. very like ominous because the billboards are usually like... The Amish are ominous? Yes. They're they're a little like run down and sometimes it just feels like the the graphic design's not communicating because you know you're in a wasteland and you're just seeing this strange billboard. Yeah. What was it about weird. like what was it about like hundreds of years like a hundred years ago where mm -hmm. everyone was just so on point with the graphic design? Dude, I don't know. We gotta go back. I want thousands <laughs> of typefaces on one paper at all times. That's how it has to be. Yeah. I oh, think that God. was how they did it. They just tried everything at once. <laughs> like, you know, I like finally passed a sign that had um, 
It had one of those S's that was thicker in the middle. Ooh. Like, it's um, like a snake that, like, ate something, and it's in yeah. its belly. Yeah. Like, one of those S's, and I'm just like, I don't know anything about graphic design. I like that S. <laughs> like, that's a nice S. That looks good. That's a great S. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking um, of speaking of Victorian uh, graphic design, though, it seems like we have a similar one on our sign here at the Wax Hall in the Uncanny uh, County Museum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, wax wax figuration of human body actually kind of goes back quite mm-hmm. a bit, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's great. It's great to be here in the wax hall. All these great wax figures. Oops, that was a real person. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. I, do you ever have the moment in a store where you uh, accidentally say excuse me to a mannequin? <laughs> oh, I need... I can't say I have, to be honest, but I, <laughs> I imagine I, I've had the experience of like, you know, that I didn't know a lot of other people have where you like go up to somebody thinking it's your mom and it's not your mom and you just panic as a mm-hmm. child. And I've had that happen a few times. So arguably, I think mm-hmm. that's worse. But um, yeah, no, I ha- have you have you had this happen? Oh, yeah. No, um, I, I just I just always assume I'm in someone else's way. So oh, like no. if I see a vaguely human shape out of the corner of my eye <laughs> and I feel like I cut them off. Right. Or I'm yeah. trying to get by them or something. And, you oh, know, especially yeah. especially now, you know, oh, like, yeah, you don't want to be in too tight of quarters. And then you look up and it's a mannequin and you're like, <laughs> oh, OK. God, yeah, no, that would. I mean, how awful would it be if you caught caught the Rona from a mannequin? That would be pretty bad. That'd be pretty yeah. rough. But one of those things we run into with wax museums is mm-hmm. we run into the uncanny valley, I think, to some extent. Yes. Or some oh, form yeah. of it. Yeah, absolutely. To, to, for a bit of background, the uncanny valley, you know, that term I came into popularity in the 70s mm-hmm. uh, by Masahiro Mori, uh, a professor at the Tokyo Institute of Technology. He meant it more in terms of robot as robots sure. start to become more like humans. And I think it's taken on more of a term now that we apply more broadly to anything that starts to look more and more like humans. Yes. Yeah. But I think you run into an interesting thing where the more detail you add to anything, and I think this goes for art. This has just mm-hmm. kind of been my observation as, you know, as I dabble in and out of how realistically I want to be painting. Sure. And the more precise and the more details you put into something, I feel like the more the flaws jump out at you. Like, mm. that's why very loose painterly impressionist paintings work so well you know with so little detail because your brain almost like edits out the flaws automatically that you can just kind of see a smudge on what you know is a human face and your brain can register it as an eyebrow you know yeah absolutely whereas with you see this when people first start trying to draw faces they try to draw every little detail and we register it as there's a lot wrong here even if there is technically more information right yeah i um yeah it's it's sort of the the idea too when painting or drawing in this case that it has to look 
realistic and whatever that necessarily means. But at the same time, you know, the human face isn't symmetrical and it's very much... Flawed's not the right word, but like, you know what I mean? Where it's not, it's not perfect. That right? was we're your not, problem not... with, that, that was your problem with Cats 2019. It was too perfect. <sighs> I, I, <laughs> no, no, I'm not even going to joke. <laughs> no, talk about uncanny, man. I mean, but, but that was, that was, CGI. that was the thing. There was, there was too much detail. There was too yeah. much suggestion of human anatomy. And it makes you yes. question what is going on with these yeah. humanoid cats? Well, that's yeah, it's exactly. There's 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 supposed to be cats. Okay, here's here's my thing with cats. In the in the Broadway show, I've never seen it, but I can imagine what it's like, right? And I've seen things from it. They are representing cats through the clothing that represents fur, right? The different things yeah. that they're wearing. The costume is designed in that way because in theater the costume design is a way to promote the visual element of the show. I learned Suggest. that in a, the- in, a, in a theater class that I took in yeah. college. But, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> but actually it was very interesting for a connection to performance art. However, this, so I was like, okay, we can, we can, you know, disbelieve that. That's fine. They have a different version of what they would look like as cats. This movie didn't do that. And instead <laughs> made them look like people in cat skin that was like attached to them. And so you cannot understand whether or not they are cats or supposed to be cats, literally, or humans, literally. And it's just, they erased a lot of details that we require to kind of understand that. And because it's so under-rendered in CGI and it's just not up to detail that it needs to be, it looks weird. You know what I mean? And it, and it's that exact kind of uncanny feeling where you're, where you're like, something is strange here. You know, okay. Cats. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to draw a comparison of two different things. Uh-huh. Okay, so Cats has basically, is almost entirely, with, with a couple of exceptions, is mostly stunt casting, right? You know? Yeah. These are not necessarily people that are greatly suited to musicals, necessarily. Um, right. People that are talented for other reasons, but are there because they are famous so that you can get this star-studded cast, you know, and have this big, crazy movie. Uh-huh. And the, the weird thing about it, right, is that you have all these famous people and you're unsure of how much to obscure their faces, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they they all kind of have to on a certain level. Taylor Swift cat has to look like Taylor Swift. Yeah, you know, it's... you sort of have these sloppily textured faces. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That uh, Idris Elba cat has to look like Idris Elba. I did kind of like Gus the theater cat. You know. Um, okay. You know, my boy Ian McClellan. Fair enough. But. Compare that to, do you remember the Jungle Book, the live action one? I do, yes. So that was, that is the exception of the live action Disney movies that kind of worked on me. I agree, same here. I'm like, I kind of enjoyed it, you know, and I realize it opened the floodgates for Ugh. the current hell that we're living in. Um, y- but yeah. 
you will believe Bill Murray was a bear and that this bear looks like Bill Murray. And I was so, cause that was kind of the first time I'd seen that outside of like shark tale. Right. Do you remember Shark Tale? Oh, They're like, we're going to make right. this cartoon fish look like Will Smith. Yo, I do. What a legendary <laughs> movie. I mean, you know, it's like there's a good chance if you were a kid, that's how you knew who Martin Scorsese was. I think that might have been how I knew when I was I mean, technically, yeah, it's like, what was the <laughs> what was the first Scorsese movie you saw? Ah, yes, Shark Tale. It's explaining a lot of Godfather references now, to be fair yeah you know <laughs> that went I, over my def- head that, younger but but yeah that's one of those movies that had so many references and like yeah you know you you only figure it out later um but okay look at the way that they used um basically also kind of a stunt cast for the jungle book because like yeah. who is in that um uh guy who played gandhi uh Ben Kingsley? That's it. Yeah, Ben Kingsley. But okay, you have Ben Kingsley's face. Right. And it still looks like an animal, but they clearly did some fancy motion capture to... It still looks like him. Yeah, they stylized it. Has, it. it has his facial mannerisms, the same yeah. way kind of the other actors are in that, where, you know, you could say do these really talented actors need to be voice acting these uh, <laughs> CGI animals? I mean, did did King Louis really, you know, need to be played by Christopher Walken? I don't know. Who's to say? The history, history will be the decider, I guess. Um, yeah. I did kind of like that they made King Louis a gigantopithecus because... In addition to all the other weird revisions that they've made to the Disney movies to try and make them more woke, that that one that ped, that bit of pedantry is my most famous thing. Because like, remember, like pe- people were talking about this with um, Beauty and the Beast remake. They're like, we're yeah. going to kind of make this more into a thing. We're going to like make everybody in the town sexist, and that's why they don't like Belle. We're going to kind of like try to put put our own spin on it, answer the pedantry of like, oh, well, she barely knew the beast. So now we're going to make them go on this whole magical adventure together so that they spend more time with them. Right. Trying to fix these problems, quote unquote problems, you know, and Uh you saw them do this with Aladdin where, you know, they shoehorned in a bunch of extra stuff. They You saw them do it with the Lion King remake, trying to, again, quote-unquote, fix the problems sure. yeah. that people had with those movies. The thing about the Jungle Book, at least, you know what, the, like, the big piece of pedantry was, was there are no orangutans in India, so we're going to make King Louis a gigantopithecus because that was always the thing that people talked about with the jungle <laughs> right. book. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> hey, man, it worked. Yeah, I, I will say that the jungle book and live action was actually rather good. Um, and for reasons, it's stylized. It's in the sort of Disney-esque cartoon way. Um, and also you know, the source material was flawed to begin with so it's not like you're trying to improve on 
it's not like you're trying to improve on something as universally liked as the Lion King. Should ne I've never seen it. I will never see it. It should never have been touched. And let me tell you why. Also, however, like, uh, <laughs> no, I, the thing is, it's not live action. I hate people. Not not in your case, Zam, but just in general what? that we, that we have to what? call it live action. I know it's believe it or not, the whole thing's technically a cartoon. But well, oh, I thought there was. I thought those were just some really well trained lions that they sedated because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know cats famously have no facial expressions. <laughs> oh my god yeah, i thought i thought they sedated a bunch of lions to make them just look yeah oh no Miserable. dad dad no how did you, how am i no, speaking stop. right now i just like who thought that was a guy you know who directed that movie no john favreau what direct yeah director of elf iron man well the iron man movies and, you know, the Mandalorian. Like, this man is a good director. What happened? I mean, um, I'm not gonna... I, I mean, I think you're he did directing best, for but... Disney. I don't think yeah. you get a lot yeah. of... Unless you're Taika Waititi, I don't think yeah. you get that much liberty. Yeah, very, and very even, true. Well, even he got yeah. stripped away on some yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. too. I, but... Yeah, he did, he did get... But I don't... I feel like those jobs are so temperamental, and yeah. what, what do you even really have to direct? I mean, the script's right. Then the movie is there. There's not much going on. It's, it's like they just yeah. did the whole thing in, a, in, you know, I'm sure like the live action part probably was like motion capture, which is also a weird, it's a weird concept to begin with, with motion capture, where you see a lot of things happen in, um, you know, in a studio controlled environment so they can map mm -hmm. out the animation. I guess it's like advanced rotoscoping if we really, really want to simplify it down. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, mm -hmm. but but it is saying this thing of like, are we exploring something new about these uh, pieces of art and these movies yeah. and these shows? Are we, what are we getting exactly by making right. them more photorealistic because i'm I'm not even going to say realist more realistic i'm yeah. just going to say photorealistic because honestly yeah I, th I think that i think that's all it is and i think it's the yeah. same thing that i ask when people want to paint more photorealistically mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and this comes from me as someone that likes to you know that has you know over the past couple of years has been trying to improve their photorealism skills yeah why yeah that's my main question in painting all the mm -hmm. time especially towards an american viewpoint of painting where that's kind of been taught in school i mean for me yeah. that was like style with you know everybody has a style and that's your style which is complete nonsense that that i that teaching method of like you have a style and stick with it and it's like no you can have mm -hmm. multiple styles that's not really a, a real thing but like this idea of certain people are really good at photorealism and certain people aren't isn't really great um as as a teaching philosophy, let's say. But the thing yeah. is, it's like, I never really understood... In, in the age of photography and in digital replication, I mm -hmm. never understood why there's this sort of task to then paint the naturalistic-looking figure again. And mm. I think, it, you know, it to me... I think in undergrad, I didn't quite understand why, but I knew I was frustrated because I was like, well, why wouldn't you just take a photograph? And people would be like, oh, but you know, 
there's the skill and I put so many hours into this and I was like, okay, so it's a labor of love kind of a deal. But if we look at it art historically and throughout sort of a lineage, which I think is absent in some cases, you know, it's, it's been done and it has a callback. So if you're painting realistically, let's say, you know, you're going to get immediately referenced back to sort of a Baroque or late Renaissance kind of time period. And then even more into sort of romantics, but maybe not as much depending on how stylized you get, right? And so, I, I don't know. I, I think now I start to even question that. Like, what, you know, I think when you're looking at the sort of naturalistic representation of the human face, there's always going to be a call to identity. And there's always mm -hmm. going to be some sort of call to, you know, the human spirit, the humanities, and sort of the, like, enlightenment to a certain degree, right? Yeah. I, I, not to get crazy philosophical on it, but I think it's a valid kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I, I, I find it to be more interesting in a painting to see mm -hmm. the paint and the style and the way one utilizes brushstrokes and color to then bring out an, evo an evocative image of, let's say, a figure or of a portrait like um, like Jenny yeah. Seville. Have you ever seen Jenny Seville's mm -hmm. paintings? Yeah. yeah. So I, I can, you could borderline say they're more like naturalistic. But mm -hmm. there's such a style choice there. And with Brushstroke and the scale and the way she paints skin is so specific. And it elevates yeah. it to that next level where it's not necessarily falling into Uncanny Valley anymore because it, you can see it as a painting and you can appreciate it as that. Whereas when you get into more symmetrical, really, really overcomplicated faces, which technically, I will be honest, are, are phenomenal, right? Like, it takes mm -hmm. incredible skill to be able to handle a brush that way and do that. And the same with sculpture. Yeah. So I commend those who can. Yeah. But you make a really interesting point where, you know, if you have this most realistically rendered face and the eyebrow just has one off brush stroke, it's going to look mm -hmm. so freaky. And you're not even going to really understand why. I mean, do you remember in Rogue One the the thing that people took a lot of issue with? Yeah. Um, maybe I don't know because I, I I think people were harsher on that movie than uh, than maybe it deserved. I think it was one of sure. the it was probably one of the better Star Wars movies that we got out of the recent mm -hmm. reboot. Hard agree. Yeah. Um. But there was a lot of criticism taken, and the word Uncanny Valley was really thrown around quite a bit when it came mm -hmm. to them see, basically CGIing in um, Grand Moff Tarkin and, yep. uh, and Princess Leia. Everybody says they can tell something's wrong. Right. But nobody can quite put their finger on it. Like, yeah. what? Uh, I wonder if I would have known if I didn't, if I didn't know, if I, if I had gone yeah. into those movies without knowing that those faces were fake, right? Would I have known, or was the rest of the movie stylized enough that I would not have noticed? I because I've heard um, super, Superman's mustache that they had to edit <laughs> out of um, <laughs> Dawn of Justice or whatever. It's so uh, bad. The rise of the dawn of yeah, the planet the of the Justice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that was the movie you, you got. Uh, yes, where they had to edit out Henry Cavill's mustache. Uh, I've so heard from done. certain people that if they did not know uh, that his upper lip was CG, they would not have noticed it. 
but when mm. in a world where we know Carrie Fisher was older and the actor who's played Grandma Tarkin, whose name I'm right. forgetting at the moment, but I, I know he's very famous, but I'm, I'm yeah. forgetting his name. Um, in a world where we know that they are either dead or much older, uh-huh. we know those faces are fake. Yeah. Is that, is that what's unsettling? I think it's two things. Um, okay. I, I, I can kind of, I think, relate in a way because I recently watched Rogue One again and um, Star yes. Wars has also done this again in a way uh, mm-hmm. that comes in in their newer things. I'm not going to say anything for the sake of spoilers for our tour here, but um, it, it it was done better, let's say this. But However, mm-hmm. um, with Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One, when I first saw it, yeah. I didn't realize it. And I was like, oh. oh, my God, they brought him back. And I'm like, wait, this guy's old. So how are they doing this? Because I, <laughs> you know, I, I don't really keep up with that, with the story of this actor. So it was believable. And then what happens is as technology ages, you get a better TV or you're getting a better, you're getting spoiled by the graphics applied. Things age poorer. The thing mm-hmm. I always applauded Star Wars for, though, is their acknowledgement of practical effects mixed with digital because it makes a hell of a difference and yeah, why Star I mean, that, Wars that, movies that, will that's, always that's, age that's, better. That's the strength of the original yes. Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same, it's the same concept. They, they hold up. Um, and well, like, it's because you have to make the CG look yes. as good as the practical effects, as exactly. good as the puppets. Exactly. And like, a yeah. thing, like one thing that I think... Um, ties back with that is kind of like the Lord of the Rings movies where there's rarely any CG used except for sort of the monsters and different things. And yeah. because of its stylization and its age, uh, arguably still hold up. I mean, you know, the o- Oliphants are a little, you know, they look CG'd, but it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. For for 2002, yeah. it's not bad. So I think, with, yeah. with the, but like, there is an unsettling feeling. I remember in the theater watching Rogue One feeling unsettled looking at Tarkin because there was something wrong. And it's okay. And it's um, I think it's it's uh, your brain notices the fuzziness mm. to this sort of digitalized face, and it doesn't. You don't recognize it as human. You recognize it as something else. And I know that's kind of what the Uncanny Valley has been tied to. And there's that question, of course, of why do we even have it? Because it's a bit weird to and ominous to think about yeah this this brings up something uh i guess we really wanted to talk to uh Mm -hmm. talk about today on our tour as we you know sort of go through these examples of trying to replicate humans you know plenty of a lot of other animals can recognize uh you can recognize something else about another entity um but some animals have trouble differentiating that they are seeing their own reflection. This is, uh, right. you know, this, you know, people I think bring up certain birds, especially pigeons can't really recognize that their reflection is right, themselves. Right. You know, uh, you hear people say not to have a reflective surface near your beta fish, or it will try to fight its own reflection. <laughs> Interesting. But you know, animals can animals look at another animal and they can recognize oh that's its eye oh that's its mouth like that's right that's a big part of animal to animal interaction 
Mm. Um, if even if it's with another individual or it's with a um or it's with a member of another uh, species like there is some recognition that there are analogous anatomical and experiential things going on there sure and you have you're you're not quite sure we can't know for sure if other animals have this but uh-huh. As far as we know, we're the only ones that have it. We have this extra thing where we are unsettled by things that are almost human, but are not human. Um, This is a little different than uh, pareidolia. Are you familiar with that? I'm not, no. Pareidolia is one of those things that... It's one of those features of being humans. It's one of the things that our brain does um that sort of makes sense in an evolutionary term it's Mm. basically um our ability to see faces uh where there are not faces so this is why interesting this this is why we look at the fronts of cars and we read them as faces this is why um you know you can be walking through the woods and you'll see a tree that has what appears to have a face on it. We'll look at the surface of the moon and you'll see, or Mars or something, and you'll see a face in the rock formations. Um, You know, vast majority of the time, this is complete coincidence that those formations just happen to go into something that vaguely resembles a face. Right, right. But this is an evolutionary advantage we have to basically being it's like it's like our you have to imagine a human going through the wilderness and us being prey animals in the past it was Uh very useful if you were a little more paranoid um yeah true you know there's some speculation that this is what causes uh the high levels of anxiety that humans feel um Mm, for no particular reason you know it's our fear of the dark it's our fear of low frequency sounds all of these things that unsettle us or trigger certain reactions from us are from our ancestors you know having to react every time you see you think you see a face uh Mm -hmm. when there isn't one there because maybe you think you see faces nine times and then the tenth time it's a cat that's going to eat you you know yeah like a big cat in you know Mm. primordial africa Mm. uh and that saves your life and you have more children and you pass those genes on to your children and it's it's evolution in action uh so pareidolia is one of these remnant abilities that we have and like those other sort of high strung features yeah that the human brain has we still retain those um and i don't know necessarily how much uncanny valley fits into that because the question is why do we have that ability or if, if it even is an ability like what is useful to us to be able to differentiate uh, a very close to human face from an actual human face. Why doesn't our brain do the editing and just make mm-hmm. it 
trick itself the way our brains trick it trick ourselves for so many other visual phenomenon that yeah aren't really happening but our brain edits things to make thing make things comprehensible and make things right. recognizable it's 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 basically the thing behind almost every optical illusion out there <laughs> it's it's your brain self-editing your vision yeah yeah i mean that's the thing like why isn't our brains doing that why why aren't our brains doing that why are we left with this sort of unsettling feeling and if i if yes, i can look yeah if i if i can look at a a knot hole on a tree yeah and it can catch me off guard if i can see a mannequin and it catches me off guard these right. things that are not super you know not made to be representational really they're sure. perfectly represent especially not in the case of the tree knot right right if i can catch myself off guard thinking i saw a face why why am i looking for the seams in something that is more perfectly matched mm -hmm. to my face yeah that's the thing that's the question and i mean like i've heard rather recently i i don't know if i'd call it a theory but i, I think it's a solid um question on mm -hmm. like well if we have the uncanny valley that would imply that we would have needed it like thousands of years ago for it to kind of develop in this way yeah. and it, you kind of sit with that and you're like oh yeah well it's kind of like what you're saying about this but then you think about it and it's like well why would we need to know something's not human but looks kind of human and why should we be unsettled about that and then there's one can kind of make the connection that oh there's also other hominids existing at the same time as our ancestors would have mm. who look similar but look different and notably different because it's a different type of species and that kind of had me thinking about a lot of things because i was very uncomfortable because someone brought up the um i saw it brought up that it was like about the um denisovans have you heard about them uh yeah there's there's some pretty cool dudes um you know, yeah. of, of the, <laughs> I think of the different human species, they definitely uh -huh. got a pretty cool name. Like, do they, you have a cool name? They, they sound like, they, it's just, it's just a cool name. It sounds mm -hmm. like a, either a science fiction or fantasy race of it does, uh, yeah. humanoids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, they get their name from the cave they're found in, in Siberia called the Denisova Cave in, um, yeah. and that was 2010. Which, I mean, I just found out about this, and I know, mm -hmm. um, not that I'm the, like, you know, well-bringer of knowledge here, but it's it's something that has, I think, circulated a bit in terms of, you know, because it's always, it's it's humans, or homo yeah. sapiens and Neanderthals, and then, like, Cro-Magnons, right? But, you know, humans and Neanderthals would have been interacting, and then these kind of have entered the playing field, and even yeah. um, some discoveries kind of made with possible... Um, genetic traits being in our own dna depending on where you are on the planet you're sticking with neanderthals not neanderthals i think i got it zan i heard it corrected and now i kind of like it i'm trying here. neanderthals neanderthal neanderthal i i do can hmm. i do can if i hear somebody say neanderthal i assume they know a little bit more i can't <laughs> entirely get away from i can't entirely get away from neanderthal is also yeah. just kind of it's in the it's in the 
it's in the vernacular enough that you yeah. wonder if you're talking to someone on the street because you know how you talk to people on the street about neanderthals right um and if you sound it's like if you're talking to someone and you over enunciate uh a loan word from another language right like, if you're talking to someone not outside of Italy and you're talking about the cheese you want on your pizza, what are you going to say? Um, mozzarella? Yes. Right. As a, yeah. yeah, you're not, yeah, you know, you're not, uh, you, you, depending on where you are, if you're going to hit it with the mozzarella or the, Duh, in, in or the mozzarella. Don't do that. It's mozzarella <laughs> or mozzarella. Don't say mozzarella. I hate mozzarella. it. <laughs> That's not on you. I know you don't do that, but there's yeah. some there's some information going around that it's actually it's it's mozzarella, it's parmesan. Don't do that. Don't. Yeah, say that. I mean, my mom <laughs> is very adamant that it's no. minestrone, not no. minestrone. Wrong. False. Yeah, minestrone. No. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, I mean, with with any of these prehistoric animals, there's no common name. So there is sort of an acknowledgement that all of this stuff is right. made up. You know, we yeah, are making yeah. up these names. Uh, so pronunciation, I think, can go a little loosey-goosey. <laughs> I, grew yeah, up, sure. I grew up calling it a diplodocus because that was how oh, I yeah. read it. But right. then when Walking with Dinosaurs came out, and I don't know if this is just the British pronunciation of it or this is actually how it was intended to be pronounced because I still have heard people say Diplodocus, but mm. Diplodocus definitely right. came more into fashion, I think. I don't think I hear right. Diplodocus very often. and chan But I feel like most people that I know who say Diplodocus have seen Walking with Dinosaurs, so I can't be entirely right, sure. Right. I don't know if this is a whole British English uh, sloth, sloth, zebra, zebra yeah. type thing. Eh, probably. To be just honest, <laughs> I think. Yeah, it is I mean, they're they're very adamant. I remember in Australia them really hating the way I said H huh. when I was spelling things. Interesting. Like, it's H. H. That's in Z. Okay. All right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> getting I, getting corrections on my homework yeah. that i've spelled color wrong oh my god color right color the, yeah i can't not say Hala. it Kala. Kala. oh gosh yeah i mean who's to say it's not denisovian yeah. right yeah or denisovan I mean, denisovan yeah i yeah um <laughs> <laughs> what? all of that all of that being said yes we were talking about but this is the big question right now is what type of relationship did we have with yeah. non-human humans? Because, you know, it well, seems like we did interbreed with yes. them. Yeah. But also, they're not here anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, uh, have you heard of The Hobbit? I have, yeah. The the human, like the, the humanoid, oh. The Hobbit. Oh, oh. Uh, Homo, Homo florensis. Oh, that's the term. Interesting. Yeah, so there was on, on the island of Flores uh, in Indonesia, they discover this, you know, small human. It's, you know, it's a human. Uh, same genus as us and everything, but mm -hmm. it is uh, a different species, and it seems to have gone 
unless it proves to be a juvenile or something, it seems to have gone uh, through island dwarfism. Uh, mm. Where, you know, this happens a lot, where an animal arrives on an island, there's fewer food items and resources, so they become smaller. Right. I've actually heard it proposed that Komodo dragons, the current uh, largest living lizard on, mm-hmm. in the world today, is actually a dwarf of oh. uh, Megalania, which was an enormous, um, basically Komodo dragon type animal that used to live in Australia. You know, basically swam, t- you know, north to the mm-hmm. uh, to southeast a- the Southeast Asian islands, right and underwent dwarfism Interesting. Uh, island yeah. dwarfism so you know there's evidence to suggest that uh the hobbit the flow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you will um you know possibly interacted with modern humans that ended up on the island interesting uh yeah it, it's you know we have a lot of DNA evidence that Neanderthals interbred with modern humans, particularly if you are, and if basically if you're a human who does not have all of your ancestry from Africa, Mm -hmm. chances are you have some Neanderthal DNA. I'm going back and forth to cover my bases. (laughs) Um, It's kind of like in our bread episode where I kept, I kept deciding whether or not I was going to say Hala or Hala. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and you there's what we're, we're trying to figure out, like what yeah. how related are we to these different types of humans that our ancestors mm-hmm. pretty demonstrably encountered? And is that where our sense of the uncanny valley actually comes from? Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely elements of interbreeding and especially because of the DNA shown. I mean, it's even possible that there's, um, that there's, um, Denisovan DNA within, Mm -hmm. uh, certain groups in specifically like Malaysia and even the Tibetan plateau, because there's like, they found that there was, um, I think like a specific amount of like hemoglobin that helps with high altitudes, Mm -hmm. um, that was found in said, um, fossils of the teeth and, and um jawbone that they yeah. found that's also been associated with certain groups from said area although nowhere really else yeah but yeah i think i think there's evidence to support that as well but i think it's also fair to assume there's conflict because i mm. feel like that just happens right like um but again we'll never know and that always frustrates me but there's a good book i read a while back it's it's rather difficult but it's very interesting called the inheritors by um uh-huh. by uh, william golding who wrote lord of the flies yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird book because I've never seen anything quite like it where, you know, he's writing about the encounter, uh, a fictional, of course, encounter of a Neanderthal group with a Homo sapien group. And mm-hmm. it's in the perspective originally through the Neanderthals who are, see, I went backwards, Neanderthals yeah. who are, um, <laughs> <laughs> who are, um, you know, encountering this sort of demon that they've been kind of associating with these like, you know, mm-hmm. bipedal figures who are uh, attacking and doing things and drink and, you know, drinking um, alcohol, but they don't really know what it is yet. And kind of this, yeah. these strange differences, even though that's similar. But then, yeah, 
at the end, he t- he does flip the perspective, and you're reading through one of the Homo sapien characters looking at the Neanderthals and kind of trying to understand that. And of course, it's fictional, and I'm sure it's allegorical too. But there's something quite interesting in in like wrapping one's head around that. Like, what would it have been like to just encounter, as let's say, a, a ancient Homo sapien to then encounter like a Neanderthal or a uh, a Denisovan, right? And you'd be like, this yeah. is something's up. Or maybe not. Maybe it's just be normal. I mean, I guess we don't know. Maybe it's yeah. You you have to wonder like how. So what we're getting into, I think, because we were able to interbreed, and you know, a lot of people, I think, assume that uh, genetic. You have to be genetically compatible to be in the same species. Uh huh. But you know this this gets into the weird gray area of what a species is and i think most biologists are pretty open with the fact that species i think for the sake of our need to study things and our need to categorize things we're probably going Mm -hmm. to continue using the genus species nomenclature however a species is not as rigid of a thing as some people might assume or that right. even scientists assumed in the past. Um, something like a lion and a tiger have incredibly similar skeletal structures. If we only knew them from skeletons, you uh-huh. know, if we, we didn't know that lions had manes and we didn't know tigers had stripes, you would probably right. dig up their fossils um, and assume that they probably look superficially very similar uh-huh. Um, and, you know, they are in the same genus. They're both, uh, Panthera. Right. Um, Panthera Leo for lions, Panthera tigris for tigers, and they can interbreed and sometimes can produce fertile offspring. Mm. Um, the ligers and tigons. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard the um, second one. Yeah. Uh, I think a tigon, the tiger has to be the father. Um, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but the sort of the, the, these animals are close enough to interbreed. We would not consider themselves them the same species because, um, it's not just that you have to be genetically compatible. It's that you have to be also geographically and behaviorally compatible. Right, right. To be kind of in the same species. It's why, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, uh, a good argument to be made that there are not only two species of living elephants but three Mm. um because forest elephants in africa do not interact at all with savanna elephants right right interesting and there's a case to be made that they are separate species even though they probably interbreed interbred in the past and probably could interbreed now their behavior and their geography precludes them from intermixing and they're probably Mm -hmm. on their way to uh differentiating themselves uh you see this with you know different uh different locales where grizzly bears are you know slightly more adapted to the terrain where they are specialized to eat you see this in a lot of animals that there's basically sort of the same species but they might have slight adaptations to the particular place that they found themselves in and in the future possibly those might diverge 
to the point where they are incapable of uh, intermixing and interbreeding with each other. Right, right. And I mean, and then you get into a whole... With, with humans, it's very difficult to sort of understand because we move around so yeah. much. We yeah. have historically kept moving. I mean, you go back tens of thousands of years and it's we were all over the planet already mm -hmm. yeah on every continent um before before we had any any current any currently existing living rec uh written records do not go back far enough to tell us when but we right. know that as far back as uh, 50,000 years at least yeah we were all over the that's world that's true um, Jeez, that's and, you know, to think about too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an it's an incredible feat. Yeah, absolutely. Feat and our endurance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but in our travels, we definitely crossed different populations of our own species, and then we would have crossed uh, people that uh, were not entirely human. Why were right. we? It, and what there's there's no way to know really there's yeah, a know. lot of people that want to read into it that it was pretty peaceful and maybe it was in certain places and maybe it wasn't in others it uh it, it it's it's frustrating how little information yeah. oh we have gosh. on this yeah no it's it's complete speculation and i hate it i mean i, I genuinely want answers and you know i don't think you'll ever really get yeah. it because even but there's mm -hmm. there's there's yeah because there's tiktokers yeah gonna, i know this is a this is a tiktok heavy episode yeah <laughs> uh that want to say that we have evidence that we learned cultural things from neanderthals which is possible but people are saying it with right. a certain amount of certainty yeah and then i also want to point out there's people on tiktok that are saying dragons could have existed because technically we've never found a complete tyrannosaurus skeleton uh, and it's like uh... we have most of the bones of a t-rex and the bones that we don't have are small extremities that we can guess what the rest of it looks like right uh pretty easily we're talking about like the ends of toes and stuff like yeah and and, ri and random ribs here and there like we know what it what dinosaurs looked like for the most part as far as to to the extent to say that they were not dragons. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, right. Yeah. That they were um and uh yeah, it's you want to be careful about how many people are spreading the stuff around. Yeah. I want to question when something sounds a little too amazing to be true, I'm skeptical now, but there's a lot of very tantalizing information that gets put out on the in, on the internet. Yep. And yeah. I want to believe it because it's so perfect. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's cool, I just pop. can't, yeah, I just can't get myself to fully buy in because I can't find more information on it. Um, years yeah. ago, I read a thing that said that babies lie motionless underneath mobiles, you know, like those mm -hmm. toys, because... Um, in the past, human children were hunted by birds of prey, and you know, the uh, it's the baby's instinct to lie still when it sees something circling up above it. 
And that's super uh, interesting and plausible, but I have never actually read or found any literature yeah, to I don't support know about that. that. Right. I think there's but isn't other it, literature. But isn't it so tantalizing <laughs> to say that? And now I've that's put cool. it out there in the world. Oh, God. <laughs> well, you want a good... Here, I'll give you a counter baby fact, though, from the past. Counter where, baby fact. Okay. Counter, counter, it's a counter baby fact time. It's where, a counterfeit um, baby? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a fact. Hi there, my name is Colby White, and I'm one of the hosts from Force Football Facts, a podcast where my friend Zachary and I force our other friend Tyrell to give us insights into the game, even though he doesn't know anything about it. We use our humor to bring you weekly football news in a new way that takes fan opinions into account, while also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much. You can check us out on our website, forcefootballfacts.com, or wherever podcasts are available. Hope to see you soon. But okay. um, where the if you ever kind of like go up to an infant and you like put your finger out and they like instinctively grab on, it's mm-hmm. because of the um, I guess it'd be like an adaptation, right? In in the past of grabbing on to the mother's hair so that they can hold on when moving, so that they can transport. Uh, they're young, and so they mm-hmm. instinctively know to just kind of grab on, and we haven't necessarily dropped that. So now they'll just grab things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's I, fun, that, fun that's, fact. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a fun fact. It'll be fun if I'm wrong, but <laughs> I, I remember being told that, and I think it's a little hard to say otherwise. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, let me say this: like, I think in terms of the reason babies lying still because there's birds that would have went to grab them. I feel like we're missing a ton of details in that sort of, um, mm-hmm. you know, plausibility to it. But but yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I've heard a lot of things off of the internet involving this. That's where I heard about Denise Evans. That's where I've heard about certain other theories that have come up and that I've been interested in in the past and sort of mm-hmm. the Uncanny Valley and, and whatnot. And, and it can go on for all the things. But I think having a good, healthy dose of skepticism is important Yeah, in digesting any of this type of stuff. You know, because yeah. without it, I feel like you'll always just buy one thing and then you kind of are like, somebody else will come up with a counterpoint and you'll either just grab back onto that or Mm -hmm. you just won't and you'll refuse to acknowledge other possibilities of truth versus just the one um you know which is a whole other thing but i think it's a struggle i think with the past with this sort of ancient history prehistory really you know we're never gonna know and that's just the reality and i hate it and it makes me so bad (laughs) and 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 I guess it's like in a, in a weird negative way. It's like, well, Joe, there'll be the science will come out. You know, we'll be able to go back to the Viking Age with you know raptors and lasers. That's a Kung Fury reference. For laser raptors. Laser raptors. I thought they went extinct hundreds of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But like, I, I think it's so exciting that you know we we make these discoveries. I mean, if you think about it, like the Denise events were discovered so recently, ten years ago. So oh like, yeah, no, it's eleven brand now, new. It's yeah, and and there's but, so much yeah. to find with mm-hmm. that. But I, I think it's an interesting thing, right? To 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 wonder, be like, well, maybe the Uncanny Valley comes from this idea of seeing something as human or not. But I also am skeptical of it too, because I don't know how much is really in the support of that. Well yeah, and I, it's a it's a, such a tantalizing yeah. thought, but it sounds very it does, pop science. Exactly, exactly. Whereas like I you know what too? I think it's possibly from this idea that the uncanny valley and the concept of, 
you know, the, it's too human, but it, it's too perfect and it doesn't look human. It's also really attached to that whole, you know, the Android, the up and coming sort of AI science, uh, mm -hmm. science fiction thing. And now we're seeing it as a reality. And it was hyped up, what, like three years ago, especially in the art world as this sort of mm -hmm. thing. But if you've watched any more recent movies, it's sort of moved on from the post-human, transhuman thing. You know what I mean? Like, it, mm -hmm. it's so always in that. So yeah. it's so captivating to see it in a prehistoric way that doesn't even involve technology where it's really just relying yeah. on the human brain well you know you look around now and we want to find any sort of in an era where we feel so disconnected to yeah. our, to our past we feel so disconnected to the natural world um to where our food comes from to where our clothes yeah. come from to our ancient cultures and you know accepting mass culture i think people want to find any sort of foothold and precedent they can exactly. to uh to, to something that feels real and feels important mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. think you could like even look at like in the last few years you know just like how much people have really embraced um like a lot of like appalachian culture and yeah. music you know, sure. and and trying to separate it from, you know, the the racism and yeah. uh, ultra conservative religious elements right, that we right. associate with Appalachia, and trying to find other more engaging cultural things. You know, the, because uh -huh. there's there's art, music, philosophy. Uh, labor rights all all sorts of stuff that comes out of that region 100 percent. no it's fascinating yeah um but i think with the uncanny valley now we kind of have to talk about you know especially in the last decade we have really confronted have been confronted with a lot of things that are becoming more and more similar to humans looking yeah, like humans yeah. and moving like living things i mean people people have seen the boston dynamics robots at the uh, point, uh, you know? yeah <laughs> i hate it they, they look so real it's so we well they look so real in their movements it's such a bizarre form of yeah, yeah I, I i really don't like the quadrupedal ones though and i know those wow. aren't as human but i just always think of that episode of Black, Black mirror. mirror. Yep. Yes. It, that is yes. so stressful. Have you that, seen like, new have you seen the new robot dog that they made? No. Oh god. Well, it's terrifying. It is oh, that. God. It's adorable. And I hate that they made it adorable. Like yeah. it's just the yellow robot and it moves so fluidly. It's pretty wild. My my sister's has been following them uh for a while, as she tells me, and was like so excited to see kind of the new, you know movements in robotics mm -hmm. and where they've come since like you know mm -hmm. a couple years ago and i just yeah. can't get over the black mirror reference like i just can't it, it to me it's haunting that i'm like it, i don't want yeah. I'm like, you haven't seen it you don't know <laughs> you, know, you don't know what it's like it's such a disturbing episode oh god yeah and like i don't know i mean i've kind of fallen off black mirror i'm not like that it got into bad it. to be fair it got <laughs> kind of it, it became self-aware but yeah you know. but that's um and Netflix bought it. Yeah, but, but it's not, it's something I can't sort of remove is like, yeah. Well, like, why are, the question is, why are we building these robots to 
like yeah. to to look like humans. Why do we want life like robots? Don't we want robots that just do jobs that are, you know, mm-hmm. uh either dangerous or stuff that, you know, we could just have them do instead, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the whole idea behind the Boston Dynamics ones because they're yeah, more but 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 my my question is still, it's like, okay, you want a, a robot that can mm-hmm. mine, so right. we don't have to send miners down into the earth. Yeah, um, and we don't need to supply oxygen and all this other stuff. Why do we want a robot that has consciousness? Uh, yeah, you got me there, boss. That's um. <laughs> <laughs> that we're gonna get to Blade Runner real fast in this world, and it and it makes me a little nervous of the philosophical dilemma that's gonna be on our hands, right? Yeah, you know, I I don't I think it's a play in God kind of thing, um, but I also don't think it'll take the maybe this is a tour for another day, but I don't think it'll take the form of a physical robot. I think you'll have cyber consciousness, perhaps, or a, no, so a new it, It'll be more way. of a Spike Jones's her. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to 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 put it. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, in posthuman thought and whatever, which I still just do not understand, but it is mm-hmm. it is quite interesting. It, it gets into that kind of whole thing, and so maybe we'll have to cover it at some point. Uh, because I think it's necessary, yeah. But I mean, but I mean, even going back to these wax figures here, um, yeah, I. There was a professor at Saatchi of sculpture who hypothesized, you know, and I think this is supported by some other uh, literature. Mm-hmm. He is in the camp that believes that um, basically this practice of making wax museum specimens mm. started with a renaissance industry of making wax sex dolls and that oh. all of those sex dolls were destroyed interesting because nobody wanted to you know pass those down yeah right um right. so those were edited out of history but the version of it that did survive would be the ones that you see in like la specula in oh um, yeah like- in florence italy uh where you have some really remarkably you know it's basically like you it's comparable to the modern day bodies exhibit yeah that you know uses real human bodies but these are done out of wax and they're hundreds of years old yeah that's such a an interesting uh and kind of disturbing topic too with those and how they were used it's kind of fascinating because they, they, you know, in Los Speculos specifically, they have all of the parts and they would literally, you know, make wax copies of all of the organs, you know, mm-hmm. arteries. They have wax versions of arteries and it's like yeah. perfect. And it is, you know, remarkable how it was done. Um, unfortunately, it's also there's the, pos- you know, the the um, uh, speculation that they're from uh, dead prostitutes, dead prostitutes specifically. I mean, that's that, and- that's. that's- all of renaissance art you know i I mean yeah just live live with that joe yeah but that's like where the 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 venus (laughs) is and most likely all uh but specimens are from however you know it's it's interesting and and specifically in the specula and and also when they showed these from the renaissance you know um is that the male versions 
are very much anatomical figurines. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever seen, you know, this sort of muscle kind of representation, yeah. but make this look real. It looks like mm-hmm. that. It's like a flayed human. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 very odd. It's very it's very much this like you know it's usually kind of in a more dynamic pose and a bit more like you know sciency for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. Mm-hmm. The female anatomy is different. It is very much uh, shown in a way of being in the nude with pearls around the neck, you know, mm-hmm. hair drawn down. And the thing that's always the freaky part is that the body parts are removable. So you're literally going inside and dissecting said, mm-hmm. you know, model what used to be a person or what was modeled after a person. Totally, completely different. Oh, that is versions. that is someone that is someone's fetish. Uh yeah. So that's what gets a little <laughs> freaky about the um these things, and it's it's you know interesting in a way looking at it now, but of course you know the rooted in sexism and whatnot doesn't go yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, there's, but I mean, that's that's been a bizarre part of medical history. Yeah, you know, where you want to be clinical and then there's also like this whole thing of like oh but we must protect women's modesty but also we can't help but feel like the women's body is precious and it's also an object that we can control and Mm -hmm. the there's there's an intersection of a lot of different things here i think yeah i think with any culture that has a science culture that's trying to be objective (laughs) yeah you're going to see these weird um these conventions butt up against each other in fascinating exactly. ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think like you know, it it's a part of the time. It's like you get the sort of the science at the time, like you know, with yeah. Cesare Lombrosco is trying to, you know, find the perfect criminal, right? And it ends up just being completely yeah. racist and whatnot and 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 it's, you know, leads the path to sort of the racial profiling and other things that we have. And like, um, that's so interesting though. I didn't think about that, that the, the sex dolls coming from that time. That's fascinating. And yeah. definitely makes, if you've seen these, it makes sense. Cause the, there is an uncanniness. Is that, is that a word? <laughs> it's definitely a word to what you see now, I think versus, um, then if you've ever seen those freaky, you know, like I, I always think of Lars and the Real Girl. If you've ever seen that movie, which is a very sad movie, um, in terms of what someone would do with one of the life size dolls. So maybe that's just my innocent mind thinking that way. <laughs> I just think of the Broad City episode where they <laughs> think they see someone kill their, like their girlfriend, and then it turns out he's just got you know a yes! sex doll girlfriend. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. I okay, yeah. so Great. Joe, out of curiosity, so in preparation for this exhibit, um, uh-huh. I did some searching on okay. the Real Doll trademark website. Uh, Are you familiar oh. with Real Dolls? No, like a real doll. If <laughs> so, if you want to talk about Uncanny Valley, a real doll is like basically it is a full human sex doll uh-huh that you can buy um it'll set mm. you back between looks like between six and eight grand um wow somewhere in there you can get yourself a real good uh sex doll 
Uh, huh. Ooh, double your fun. Take 10% off any two real cock two products. Code oh 10 off RC2. Jesus Christ. That's just a, hey, real doll, if you want to sponsor us, that's, uh, that's a free free advertisement right now. I hate this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, you, yeah, I, uh, there's a lot to be said i don't want to judge people and you know maybe if there's things that you want to do to a person that you know are illegal i would maybe prefer if you did it to one of these dolls yeah i don't don't, feels like a thin line (laughs) yeah i don't know how much to throw behind this having a a having a relationship with an object yeah and this yeah. this is this is something different from like joe i love my my fender telecaster i don't right. i don't want to i don't know if i have any possessions that i want to have sex with yeah yeah and um but but this also seems weirder than this isn't like a dildo this is a full person this has hair i don't like this yeah, you I'm know, uncomfortable. <laughs> this yeah, is like they they have names. No, they're uh talk about trying to make a woman an object, correct? Like Jesus Christ. It's literally the same. I guess we really haven't gone anywhere, have we, as a society that we continue this sort of idea, right, that women are that women are objects. I hey, mean, no, there's some ugh. Hey, there's some male oh dolls on here. Okay, well, People, people are objects. Let's move with that then. Let's be more <laughs> inclusive, I guess. Good for you, realdoll.com, being more inclusive. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I hate it. I don't like it. I just, it's like, because that's the thing. I'm like, no hate, but hate. Because it's like, at the same time, like it's like, I don't know. I just don't think making real life versions of people who aren't people is, there's something really scary in that. And I don't necessarily yeah. mean at like shaming said people. I mean in the fact that people view people as objects. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know how to that, quite wrap or that it up, your but... particular predilection is bringing you towards yeah having an object. It's like okay, if we're and again, I don't want to draw false equivalencies, but if we're you know when we talk about like these people making these weird wax figures of a woman that you can take apart piece by piece i mean this is all yeah, stuff that like 20th century serial killers were doing yeah man um yeah. you know like how many he's like okay hh H. holmes someone who right. was murdering women and then with more than a couple of them basically uh cleaning their skeletons and then selling their skeletons to medical schools and doctors. Jesus. Uh, like, and then remember H.H. H. Holmes was only caught not because anybody was looking for the, the women, but because uh, of insurance fraud. Uh, like, really? Yeah, that's how he got caught. Oh my god. Yeah, when they like went on his property to like seize his assets, they're like, Jesus. "Huh, why do you have this human-sized chute 
going yeah, down to your yikes. laboratory with an incinerator. Oh my god. Um so like how many of those guys existed in the Renaissance and we'll just never know about them? Probably a lot, to be honest. I mean, again, it's the spec it's the you know, we'll never know because unless things are could he used a real doll. Uh well, I guess then your argument is a little valid, right? Saving lives, I guess. No, I, I'm not giving validation. Hold on. No, this is, no. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't like it. It makes me talk about uncanny, yeah. like I said. But yeah, I think I guess. Uh, that's why wax museums freak me out. At the end of the day, is that well because it, it all of all of this comes back down to, I think, an idea of in the most pure sense, in the most pure sense of the word, superficiality. Yeah. That yeah. you are seeing something with the visual cues of a person with absolutely no none of the substance behind it. Exactly. And exactly. I am going to tentatively say that is what we are finding uncomfortable. Yeah, that I, I agree. Otherwise, that um, we cannot expect what we typically expect when we see the eyes, mouth, face of a human, the form mm -hmm, of a, mm -hmm. the form of something that we're supposed to be able to communicate with. Because every time you see a person when you're walking down the street, you know, now right. they've got masks on, but you know, every time you're out in the street, every time you're storming the US Capitol building, mm -hmm. um, and you see <laughs> another human being and you see another face. Right. Every now and then I get so caught up in the fact when I see a stranger that they have this whole life that I know nothing about. They Oh my god, yeah. Like me have secrets, they contain multitudes, they contain the good and the bad and everything in between and they have a completely different experience than I do. Yeah. Um and that they are we forget other Mm -hmm. We forget and we don't forget that other people are capable of all the nuance that we play out in our own heads oh, every absolutely. day. Yeah. Where we question ourselves whether or not we're good people, that we mm -hmm. interrogate our actions and everything. Um and you have to remember other people have that. And maybe it's the absence of that that terrifies us. The mm. to go back to Black Mirror for a minute, the thing that always causes discomfort in black mirror is that we at least from that show's standpoint we are projecting um technology to not allow for the nuances of everyday life right that the gray area that gives us our freedoms to interact and our opportunities to try something again and try better because that's what we do as people. We mm -hmm, mm -hmm. do things and we um, get things wrong and then we try again. And technology has set things up so that you kind of have one shot at a lot of things because technology is looking for something specific every right. time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that's sort of the way we've set it up. And the the cruelty that we assume that we will feel at the hands of that. The one that's coming yeah. to mind is um, Nosedive. Did you ever see that episode of Black Mirror? Um, Probably, to be honest. 
it's basically this episode where um this woman who kind of just has an office job lives a very you know just just kind of like this upper middle class life or whatever and is but is trying to get further Mm -hmm. um and everything in the world is sort of determined by your social media rating oh okay basically every time you interact with someone it's kind of like oh hi nice to see you today five stars right um and you know but if you like bump into someone or yeah. you do something rude they're going to give you zero star review mm-hmm. and um you know basically she has a she's doing well and has a couple of faux pas and then suddenly is cast out of society and is unable to really do anything because of a couple mm-hmm. of you know, honestly, recoverable mistakes. Yeah. It, it, but she, I think the episode's meant to also kind of be a comment on social media, which is also like, yeah. it doesn't entirely work as a metaphor, but it it is, but it is, gen, there are genuinely disturbing parts of that episode where you are watching something happening and you feel the social code Mm-hmm. to not step in and not do something that not do something to help someone that something unfair is clearly happening to you are feeling the secondhand embarrassment yeah but also the oh thank god that's not me oh yeah for sure and that is what i think we assume this technology will do to us mm. yeah and you know that's the the idea that technology will not allow for those subtleties, those gray areas of life. Yeah, no, I like that 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 is what's uncomfortable. And like to me, that stuck more in my head than that one episode where that lady kills a baby with a hammer. Oh yeah. Like Jesus. But like I'm more it kept me up at night more that this woman couldn't get on a plane because yeah. she not enough people liked her on social media. Yeah, yeah, no, I get, <laughs> I get what this. It's absurd. It's literally absurd. Yeah. No, I think that is the. At the end of the day, that's kind of where I think. There's a lot of connections to be made, mm-hmm. of sort of where that can, technology can kind of take us as, a people and also as just. I don't know, those trying to live their everyday lives, right? Mm-hmm. And be it in speculation of the past and the future in where the uncanny valley even comes from, you know, I think at the end of the day, it is that just general fear, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, you know, just, I don't know. I, I think that's that's the thing. It's, it, it's an underlying fear. Or it's an underlying thought. And maybe it is this sort of fail to recognize that people around you are also just people and all of these different, I think philosophies and ideas we've touched on um, that all kind of come together in in a strange way. And maybe one day perhaps we will understand it better than we do Mm -hmm. now. And, or maybe we won't, you know, and that's, yeah, I think just part of it. Maybe one day we'll finally figure out why wax museums are totally the weirdest things ever (laughs) and then find more (laughs) evidence of things that came up in the past. Right. But I think until now, you know, we'll just, you know, 
but maybe we, can we leave here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> leave the wax museum. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess we can leave the wax museum. I wait. You don't want to take your picture with a uh, wax, Jimi Hendrix. Oh man, I kind of. All right. Can you snap one real quick? And oh, snap, put your arm around him. Don't be shy. I just I'm nervous. <laughs> all right i took the picture all right thanks thanks okay yeah um yeah i guess you know one day when we can go back to new york i guess we'll have to pay <laughs> madame toussaint's yes visit. i think it'd be fun but fun field trip i was so shiny yeah it's the worst part i think yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> oh man yeah yeah, well, this has been quite a wild ride, an interesting, uh, yeah, an interesting conversation for sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, this has been a great, uh, great time today. Yeah, uh, here at the Uncanny County Museum. Guess uh, we'll we <laughs> head back to school soon, and yep, you know, I guess we'll we'll still be keeping our part time jobs here at the museum. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, you need that money, so you know mm-hmm. this is part oh, of my applications I, for other. I things. yeah, no, I desperately need that money. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You know, and we'll continue with all kinds of new tours, ideas, topics, maybe some other types of discussion. Who knows? But you know, you're always yeah. welcome to kind of join us on these tours. Yeah. If um last week we had a great conversation with uh colby white an old friend Mm -hmm. of mine Uh, it was really great to get to sit down and talk to him if uh anybody else out there has any comments suggestions uh you can tweet at us or dm us uh at uncanny museum on twitter you can Mm -hmm. find me on instagram at xanosaurus and you can find me on instagram as at Art. Yeah, we really love hearing from people that uh, like the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to this relationship we've been having with uh, Forced Football Facts. Another yes. really great yes. show. I listened to it last week. Learned so much about football. Um, you do you know about do you have you heard about this thing football, Joe? I, I it's rather new. I've heard. I got to check it out. So I better go listen to Forced <laughs> Football Facts. <laughs> yeah force football facts really fun uh and it's especially great if you're mm-hmm. like me and don't know anything about football um and if you're joining us here at the museum after hearing about us on force football facts uh hi welcome uh and uh we hope to see you again soon here mm-hmm. at the museum from the uncanny county museum i've been zan peters and i've been joe Semino. 